Hello everybody and welcome. This is the Midnight McBride Show, show number 48. And in the studio with me today, I've got a lady called Donna Webb, who is an intuitive therapist. We're going to find out what that is. But Donna also has done a lot of voluntary work over the years for many charities. And so this show, and you'll find out why, is called The Good Samaritan. So if you've seen this show, Donna, you'll know what we do is we go on a bit of a journey. We go on a bit of a journey. And I think it's really interesting to find out why somebody does what they do and what motivates them. And we've had many guests on and it's quite a surprise that something's happened perhaps in the childhood or the life experiences driven them and motivated them to do something really positive now mm. i'll tell people how we met first okay so and then we'll talk about your life journey and then we'll talk about what you do now so initially it was through social media i became yeah. aware of what you did on social media and then i sort of took a leap of faith and got out of my comfort zone and came to the mind body and spirit fair and came to to see you because I'd seen a lot of the posts you'd been doing and I really liked it and I thought I'd come and say hello. Now, predominantly on this show, the guests, there's a common theme and I think you're probably at the top of the table with this in that you've spent most of your life helping people and a lot of it voluntary as well. You know, you've been involved with lots of charities and the show's called The Good Samaritan because you actually were a volunteer for the Good Samaritans for 14 years, is that right? 14 years, yeah. 14 years, yeah. yeah. I know from experience and from a lot of people I spoke to that the work the Samaritans do, just by listening to people, they save lives, you know. They do, yeah. And I think what Samaritans do, they don't like the title Good Samaritans, by the way. Oh, do they not? No, no. I just thought it was a pun, uh, punch, punchy title no. for the show. but No, I think because that, uh, implicates some religious background oh. and it's not a religious of course, organization. Yeah, yeah, right. I see where you're going. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, the Samaritans. So yeah, just by giving people time and space to speak, you learn that, you know, that you take the pressure off people and you're, you're a person that has nothing to do with them. So they haven't got any, um, worries that you're going to tell them what to do. Yeah, I, I know from personal experience, sometimes it's a lot easier to talk to a complete stranger because you're not worried about what they think. They don't know the people you know, so you can be completely honest yeah. and just say it like it is. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, I just love my time with Samaritans, absolutely. And it taught me so much. It was a massive journey for me, 14 years of <clears throat> developing personally as well and finding out what I could do and what I was good at. Alongside this, and we're going to talk more about this, there's other charities you've been involved with and support groups you run. It's just a occurring healing journey. Uh, and I said in the pre-show chat that just you're a beautiful soul, Donna. Oh, thank you. Yeah, a beautiful yeah, soul. You. So we'll start at the beginning. This yeah. is, we'll find out a bit about your life journey. Right. And... You live in Whitefield now, but you, you've always been a Manchester girl, haven't you? You were born in Manchester. Yes, yeah. 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 And I joked, which we'll get to, if, you, if you're good at maths, you'll be able to work out that I thought you were younger than you are, I think. Oh, thank you. Yes. <laughs> um, but some of the, the periods of time you've done in certain careers will are a bit of a giveaway. Mm. So from Manchester, and where were you born? Which hospital? I was born in Crumsall Hospital, which is now North Manchester. Uh, general, isn't it? Um, and I was brought up in Harper A actually till right. I was five, and then we moved to Whitefield. Yeah, 
Uh, yeah, my, my dad, my parents were, were, I suppose, older than the average at the time. My mum was 35 when she had me and my dad was 40. My dad right. had been in the Royal Navy. Yeah, yeah. he was on the uh, HMS Belfast. Ah, there's a good mate of mine from Harper Hay, and he's called Alan Reynard. It's a it's a real long shot. Mm. Um, he had a food packaging company. He used to sponsor Manchester City. Reynard's packaging, I think it was called. But yeah. no, he didn't cross paths with him. No, because I was five when I left. So ah, ah yeah. okay. And then from there, you said you had a pretty happy childhood. Really yeah. happy, yeah. Um, what I did notice a little bit was that my parents were older than a lot of the parents round but my mum and dad had a, in some ways had a lot more time for us um i think when not 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 always definitely but i think younger parents sometimes they're so busy doing what they're doing mine yeah. had a lot of life experience i, I think in not every single circumstance and occasion but generally wisdom and peace comes with age the older you get this sort of chill out a bit, you know, a lot of the emotions you have, anger and jealousy and things that most people go through at some point in their life disappear as you get older. So yeah. you've sort of got parents that have had a bit more of a life journey that probably a little bit more chilled out. Yes. Yeah. I know my life's got more peaceful with with age. Yes. You know, I was a nightmare when I was younger. Yeah. You know. Really? Yes, really. <laughs> yeah. And then hairdressing. Yeah, um, again, my mum was very, very supportive and I was quite shy, I think. So she um, she asked, because um, I was desperate for money like you are at 14. Yeah. So I started working in a local hairdressers and then just fell into hairdressing, really. And then at 23, I um, went self-employed and did that up to uh, March this year. Right. Now, I definitely know how old you are because I've just done the maths. Yeah. <laughs> but you were a hairdresser... For most of your life then? Yes. Yeah. I suppose, in a way, like uh, I talked to a lady, Sally Bolton, who did a show with me, and she's a personal trainer. A lot of careers where you engage with people, like a hairdresser, you sort of become a counsellor therapist as well. Because Definitely. Because they get in the hair done, they tell you all the woes, all the problems, yeah. and you've listened to it. And probably, because you're doing it on a regular basis, you can, you know, uh, give a little bit of good, good advice or... Yeah. You know, even sometimes you don't have to actually say anything, just lend in an ear so somebody can sound off a bit, you know. Yeah, I think that's where I picked up my listening skills, really, um, because you do listen and then you just sort of, um, you know, jot in every now and again, but you are a listener. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of what you do, you know, because if you could engage in every conversation, you'd be there for hours. So you, you just listen and yeah. let people offload. Because you have actually got to do the her at the same time. Exactly, so yeah. Quite often it is just, yeah, just letting them express. To express is to X as in former, as in past, and press as in pressure. To express yourself is to remove pressure. Yeah. It's to get it out. And if you don't get... If something's niggling inside and you don't feel good, some kind of negative thoughts and energy, if you don't get it out, it will manifest, you become ill. So mm. it's really healthy to talk. Yeah. Really I healthy. think that's where kind of the healing started, really, you know, or the healer. Yeah. You know, because you would sort of listen to somebody and you knew that when you left, they felt better. Yeah. Mm. So tell us then, because you were doing the hairdressing, this gave you the flexibility to pursue other avenues. Yes. And you went yeah. down a, 
holistic therapy route and you're an intuitive therapist and and you've got a whole list of therapies that you're not mm. qualified and you do which we'll get to but also then it give you the freedom to possibly give up your time and start helping other people which is mm. your journey is just a list of charities and organizations where you're giving up your time the samaritans just being one of those mm. where you you know i noticed in your notes one of the statements most people's notes they say i did this i did that i did this and you one of your statements in your notes and it's it's just this it's a line a bullet point and it says i love people Mm. that's it what a beautiful thing yeah I do love people but I think I take after my mum and saying that I think I come from a very sort of giving family all my family have been involved in a lot of with the church you know the catholic church right. but given their time to you know like um cubs and scouts and yeah. my cousins you know in, in the wider family um one was very involved in the heart foundation and did loads of charitable work. So I think it's it's kind of in my genes, really. So the first time you started volunteering, tell us about that, the start of this journey. Well, the first time I started volunteering, because I was quite interested in um, beauty therapy and, and, and touch therapy, I suppose, really, I um, volunteered with the Red Cross. I did a hand massage course with them and I used to go on the uh, wards in um, North Manchester Hospital on the stroke wards doing hand massage. But you weren't just doing the hand massage, you were actually talking to people. Exactly, mm. yeah. And um, I did that actually till I became pregnant and then, of course, your life changes. <laughs> How many kids have you got? Danny? Two. Two. Boys, Two. girls, tell us. I've got a daughter of 26. And she's called? Tabitha. Okay. And my son is 23 and he's called William. And I've got um, three grandchildren. Right. Yeah, so. Yeah, so. Growing family. <laughs> you're a hairdresser, you're giving up your free time, you're volunteering, you're learning to do the therapies whilst being a mother. Yes. How? <laughs> hardest job ever <laughs> being a mother i had a very very supportive husband to be quite honest um we did divorce but he was very supportive in that i was able again to go out and do my role as a samaritan yeah. <clears throat> and um yeah that enabled me to do both you know be a mother and i did yeah. a lot of it in the evenings so I was there to pick the children up from school. I had very supportive parents as well. Um, you know, they looked after my children when I worked as well. And um, yeah, yeah, I think it's, we've, I really, I'm quite proud of my family really, because we've got quite good, um, solid base really. Mm. We don't live on top of one another um, really, but we do value family a lot. Just going back a little bit, you mentioned about, uh, Catholicism. Were you, were you brought up a Catholic? Yes. Yeah. Right. And all my family are Catholic. Um, but I haven't got any of those um, memories that some people have about, you know, being dragged to church and, yes. and being told this, that and the other. I think my parents, it was more of a, a, a sort of culture. And, you know, we met up after church and we met up before church and there was Holy Communion parties and weddings. Yeah. And so it was never, um, it was never pushed upon us as no. such. Well, it must have been a good thing for you because it's made you the person you are. It's part of your journey. I often say that the greatest thing a human being can do on this planet 
the purpose, if you will, is to help other people. That is the most rewarding thing you can do. It's especially if you've had trauma and some people have that, I know, and you learn from that and then share that with somebody and help them going through a similar process as well. You know, I've had a few people on here that have done something very similar, you know. Uh, a couple of people, we talk openly about things and uh, I had mm. a lady on here who was going to take her own life on a couple of occasions, but she sort of went on a spiritual journey, um, a spiritual awakening, found peace, bliss, joy, and then now helps other people in that situation. So, mm. yeah. But being a Catholic has made you this beautiful soul this this woman that gives up her time and helps other people i think i went to a really good uh, you know catholic primary school and um it wasn't quite the same as <laughs> it was a secondary school then it wasn't quite the same then because it was just so big but my primary school was very much you knew the families and everybody helped one another you know a lot of the people didn't have a lot of money in the parish but there was always that sense of community yeah. and my mum was very much involved in it and you know my mum did do a lot of uh, volunteering I suppose in ways of keeping the church nice and um, she yeah. was part of St Vincent de Paul's which is you know helping people who were struggling and or homeless mm -hmm. So I do think it all comes... I, I can see my mum in me, definitely, yeah. <laughs> as I get older. I, I was brought up a Catholic as well, but for me, I'm definitely not a Catholic, you know, and mm. I'm a, a Buddhist now. And there are some positive aspects, you know, but there's a lot of it as well that I don't agree with, you know. So oh, yeah. I suppose it's it's just whatever works for you, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, I am a... a I call myself a lapsed Catholic because I don't go to to mass anymore yeah. i did bring my children up catholics they don't go to mass anymore yeah. but they've got really good values god's, um, god's in here yes so yeah. I, you know um it was just a way of life for me mm. and it just involved a lot of um old aunties you know great aunties that used to buy you the little um the fonts with the holy water in and you yeah. know all that kind of thing that so i've got quite fond memories of that really yeah i use the term god I still use it now and God can be whatever, you know, your version of that is. But whether you call it the zero point field, source energy, the universe, God, for me, that's the same thing. Yes. It's, it's this, you know, supreme force, this this thing that we're all connected to, you know, and we're all yeah. connected to each other. So, yeah. yeah. I do believe that there's somewhere else that we go and I believe my parents are there and I believe but they're with me all the time. Yeah. And I feel that. You know, yeah. they're guiding me all the time. Yeah, Absolutely. I think that your true nature, your true essence, what is you, you can call it your soul. But when you close your eyes, that that is you, that pure energy, I don't think that ever dies. I just think we move to other realms and yes. move in and out of form, you know. Oh, yeah. I don't think we ever cease to exist. We just go back to source and then at a later point, probably come back as, you know, it could be a bird or another person, mm. you know, that's yeah. what I believe. Your volunteering journey, you then, it's a women's refuge next, isn't it? Um, I think that was I, I, probably in the time when I was doing Samaritans, actually, just oh. at the beginning. Yeah, I, um, because I was involved with different, um, I did outreach with Samaritans with my local branch. So I was outreaching to different organisations and different charities. I um, was in touch with uh, Women's Aid 
got very involved with them and listening to people's stories. So I went and volunteered with them for a while. Yeah. Um, that was really interesting as well because I'd got more of an insight into why people don't leave because it's very easy for people to go, oh, you just leave, just leave. It's not that easy. There's so many different reasons why people don't leave and some of it is shame. Yeah. Some, is, some of it is complete and utter fear. Of, of violence. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was really interesting. We used to phone people up if there'd been a domestic incident at the weekend and the police had been involved. And then we rang them up to say, are you all right? Do you want, you know, do you need any help? So that was quite interesting. I was only there um, about eight months, I think, in the end, because Women's Aid moved. Um, they folded up from Berry. Yeah. Um, but that was a really, that was a good learning curve. Met some really good people there. You've been on the board of, I forgot this right, the board of trustees for a couple of mental health charities. Yes. Maybe tell us what they are. Um, that was Creative Living Centre and um, Big, Big, Big in Mental Health. Tell us a bit about them because I don't know much about these charities. Right, Creative Living Centre has been in uh, Presswich for, I think it's about, I think it's about 25 years now. And um, they used to have a, a fantastic um, base. Quite, it was in the in the realms of Presswich Hospital, and they set it up as an holistic, um, holistic alternative to sort of prescribed medicine. Really, yeah. so they've still got members today. They have moved now. They had to move because the trust sold the, the land. Um, so I volunteered there. I used to volunteer doing holistic therapies. I helped a little bit um, with doing recruitment. I also was on the board of trustees there. And, and maybe tell us about BIG as well. Does that stand for something? Yeah, BIG in Mental Health. Right. Very Involvement Group. Ah. Uh, both of them things. So um, I first got in contact with BIG again when I was a Samaritan. I was doing my outreach. So you're doing... You're a Samaritan and doing these other things at the same time. Yes, yeah. And within Samaritans, I was a listening volunteer, but I took on extra roles. It seems like you found a wormhole to um, bend time to fit all this in. It's I amazing. Know. I wonder now how I fitted it all yeah. in, but I just I just loved it. Yeah, so I was doing the outreach and uh, Francis Halligan had just started up big. This was probably about 12, 13 years ago. And she she was having one one group a week. So me and another colleague went along and said, can we come and sit in? And if anybody gets distressed, you know, we'll be there. Yeah. Because it was really important that we, we, we linked up with different charities. And uh, kind of the rest is history, really, because then I got quite involved with BIG, um, became their volunteer coordinator at one stage and then went on to the board of trustees. Um, which was really interesting, and they're just doing. They've they've grown. <laughs> they've yeah. gone big. I, I think mental health charities, particularly at the minute, with everything that's going on, everybody I know, everybody without exception, is suffering a bit at the minute. Definitely dipping mood, not sleeping properly, their appetite's gone, depression, anxiety, stress. I I know this as well because I've experienced all of those things in the last few months. You yeah. know, it's a really difficult time and. If you keep the TV on and just listen to all that coming out. I haven't watched the news for three or no. four months now because I think especially with older people, and I talked to somebody yesterday about this and their mother is um, struggling at the minute. 
They don't want to go outside, possibly because they're frightened. Mm. They've got the TV on, pumping out this news, which can be terrifying. And if you're not well anyway, and you're highly stressed and anxious, your immune system will deplete and you'll become really ill. Exactly. You know, without any any other disease or virus, you'll become ill just because of your poor mental health. Yeah. And we mm. found that over, because um, I'm a volunteer with Big Now, that I actually... Um, Co- uh, facilitate the anxiety and depression group or co-facilitate it with others <clears throat> but um some of the some of the the members you know that come to us they've not been out for months i know the guy i spoke to yesterday's mum hasn't left the house for nine months not yeah. left the house yeah i've you know i'll i've done some shows on covid so i won't we won't go there today but my views on it are perhaps definitely not as the mainstream narrative media. Mm. You know, I think that, yeah, but another that's for another show. Yes, we'll, we'll not, yeah. We'll not get into that today. Okay. Yeah, I always think that the holistic therapy route, there is a time to see a doctor. There is a time where you might need surgery. Mm. But instead of going straight to the pills and the pharmaceuticals and the drugs, I would always try other therapies and other things first or certainly alongside the drugs and try and come off the drugs because Mm. our bodies are miraculous healing miracle machines and if your mind's right and you're peaceful and you remove the stress and anxiety and take the tension out of the system this machine is designed to heal repair and grow yeah that's what it does and i think fixing this is usually the number one priority try and be happy because they say disease can't exist in somebody that's um, in a happy healthy mind yeah you know, most people, when you're really unhappy or anxious or stressed, you be, you become ill, you know. So I would always go down the route of coming to see you first or certainly if I'm on medication, going down that route um, and possibly trying to come off medication, you know. But, I mean, that's just me. Yes, yeah. Know. I mean, I think there is a place for medication, definitely. Yeah. But it has to be alongside other things and it has to be alongside acceptance as well, um, accepting that you have perhaps got this condition maybe or this you're predisposed to anxiety or depression um for whatever reason you know life experiences but accepting it because so many people you hear especially when we do our groups and they're having a bad time they want to be normal and i very often say you know what we're the normal ones in here sat in here talking today it's those out there that are not normal yeah (laughs) if if everything's perfect and you've not got any problems you're one of two things you're either lying or or you're you're not normal and you're not being honest with yourself but Nobody, everybody has problems. Just Some people don't admit them. And it's okay not to be okay. Exactly. You know, when you realise and accept that you're struggling and you start to talk about it, that is then the path to recovery and getting better. Not admitting it and suppressing it, you'll not get better and you'll become really ill. Exactly, yeah. And I think that's what people do. They try and hide it yeah. because they're ashamed, because we still live under this, um, you know, shame of mental health. I know. Yeah. It's crazy. It the is. fact is... There is nobody I have ever encountered, I'd say nobody ever, that doesn't at some point in their life have a mental health problem. Yeah. They're struggling. It can be a divorce, a bereavement. Um, they can be generally unhappy or depressed. They can suffer from anxiety and stress. All of these are mental health conditions in, you know, obviously mm. different severity, but everybody suffers. Everybody has a wobble. People have a period in their life where, 
you need help. I did. Yes. You know, and that's no shame in asking for help either. Exactly. And that's another thing. And with Samaritans, when I was working with Samaritans, you know, a lot of the callers were very surprised that we weren't shocked by what they were telling us or, and we'd be very frank and um, we'd ask them how they felt. And a lot of people didn't know how they felt. Yeah. And, you know, we would ask the, the, the hard questions about suicide and openly talk about it. Talking about suicide, um, I became a little blasé, I suppose, and we all did as, as Samaritans because we dealt with it on every shift. So it wasn't hard to talk about for us. But as a, as a caller who you ask the question, Are you, have you suicidal thoughts? And then the, the caller would be, be shocked by that. And then you would want to explore those thoughts. But after the call, once you'd explored them, I would say 99% of people then wouldn't want to end their lives because they can see that there's another way out. I think it's a natural process if you're severely depressed. Those thoughts will come, but they are thoughts at that stage. They're just thoughts. Exactly. And when you talk to somebody about it and you express that, and I know from my experience, a lot of people are very concerned about saying, have you had suicidal thoughts? And if you say yes, they think, oh, they're going to come and lock me up. Or, yes. And that's not the case. Not you know, at all. They, they are just thoughts. But I say, somebody's always got to go first. You, somebody has to be a pioneer. If I go first and say, I'm struggling, I'm not coping, I've had suicidal thoughts, I'm really unhappy, then somebody else will think, oh, right, I'm not the only one. I do too. Mm. And then you realise you're not alone. And then it, it instigates and starts the conversation. You're sharing that experience. And when the, when you're not on your own, when there's more than one person, you think, oh, I'm not mental. Other people feel like this too. Once you realise you're not on your own, that's, again, is, is very empowering, you know, that, okay, maybe it is normal and maybe other people feel like this. I think that's the power of peer support groups because yeah. lots of people that come to our groups maybe feeling suicidal, have never expressed it to anybody or have had different thoughts about depression and anxiety of, you know, of they can't go out or they can't get on a bus or whatever. And then somebody else will say, oh, I, I'm like that or I was like that. Yeah. And then they can see the journey. Yeah. Donna, this is exactly what this show is about, mm-hmm. right? It's, I wrote the book, I talk about things. It's all about, I'll openly talk about what, I'm going to swear, what a fucking mess my life was before. Because Mm. only when, and this is why we do people's journeys, only when you can see what a mess it was before, but that it's not perfect now, but it's massively improved. Mm. People think, oh, right, well, okay, he did it. Maybe I can do it. Yeah. You know, and they see that it doesn't matter what's gone before. Your past is just your view on the way to this present moment. That's all it is. It doesn't exist. I can't give you a piece of tomorrow. It's not real. It's history. It's gone. It's never too late. Never. You can start today. You can make a good decision followed by another one. The definition of a, a successful life is simply this. It's one good decision followed by another. Then you've changed direction. You gain momentum and you're moving in a, a positive direction, you know, that's exactly what this show's about. Yeah. It's, it's all about showing people that it doesn't matter what a mess it is, that it's about transformation. It's showing somebody's journey and showing that, you know, anybody that says they're floating around in a cloud and everything's fine, it's always <laughs> been, been yeah. fine. Talking rubbish, they're talking yeah. shite. Basically, it's not like that. 
it takes a lot of work and a lot of time and you have to open up and be prepared to try new things, new therapies, talk to new people. But this journey, it's showing people that journey because if somebody can see transformation growth and they can see that somebody's life was a mess before and now it's pretty good, it gives them hope. It's inspiring. Yeah. And... That's yeah. exactly what this shows. And about. that's what Big does because Big, um, all the volunteers at Big have usually had some lived experience of, of mental health and being rock bottom. And we've got some really inspiring volunteers. And even last night we did we do um it's called the recovery group. <clears throat> and it's 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 um we have speakers on that. Yeah. So people join in and they listen to, sometimes it's professionals, very often it's professionals mm. talking about different subjects. Yesterday it was about, it was one of the members telling her story and where she was and how she's got to where she is today. Yeah. So they're really inspirational, you know, and yeah. seeing volunteers grow from coming in as members and, and sitting in a group for six weeks and not talking the next you know 12 months down the line they're actually co-facilitating the group yeah it's fantastic i know somebody that runs a group now and he facilitates this group uh, it's a weekly thing mm. and he was abused as a child i won't name any names or anything and he can now look back on that and you've got to see the positive and somebody said to me how can you see a positive from that well, actually, what happened was terrible, but he's taken that, he's got over it, he's developed the tools and skills to put himself back together, and he's now sharing that and helping other people who are having the same experience that have been through that and helping them. That, for me, is a positive, a massive yeah. positive, yeah. you know. That's the greatest mm -hmm. thing a human being can do. It's taking a negative, a trauma, a terrible thing, learning from it, and then turn it into a positive by sharing and helping others. That's it. If you're doing that, you've cracked it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And actually, I've met some very inspirational people over the years, especially at Samaritans. Yeah. <clears throat> and when I was there, the chair was Sophie Andrews. And I met Sophie because she was, she was a volunteer, but she was also the regional director, my regional director when I was on the regional team. And um, Sophie wrote a book called Scarred. Um, and Sophie's been on Woman's Hour and all sorts of things. And actually, she 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 set up um, Silverline with Esther Anson. Right. Um, and Sophie is the funniest person ever. Her book is horrendous happened, in in yeah. the way that the things that happened to her, the abuse and what happened to her. But she turned her life around and then became this very inspirational woman yeah. who was the chair of the whole of Samaritans. Um, she's phenomenal. What, what a life experience that is, going through trauma like that, but then shining your light out, you know, oh, helping people. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. I'm just going to say something here as well, which one of the things I didn't say at the beginning of the show is, you basically give me a stream of guests for this show, don't you? You yes. say, oh, <laughs> this person would be good. Oh, what about this person? Yeah. And I can't film them quick enough. <laughs> yes. So thank you for that, Donna. Oh, thank God, you. yeah. I just, I've, I'm, I'm meeting so many amazing people and they just need that platform as well, don't they, to yeah. just tell everybody about what they do. Yeah. Because, you know, we're all ordinary people, but we've got such extraordinary talents and I'm meeting so many of them. And it that's part of my love of people. You know, I can just sit and listen to somebody's story. Yeah. 
Yeah. This show was very nearly called Ordinary People, Extraordinary Lives because everybody's yeah. got a story to tell. Yeah. Everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, people say, well, what would I talk about? Spend half an hour with me. And they say, oh, actually, I've got loads to talk about because <laughs> yes. I ask them questions <laughs> and you realise that everybody's interesting, mm-hmm. you know. You also, Donna, we're going to talk about the groups in a minute, but mm. you've got health problems, haven't you? A, yes. health, a health condition. Maybe explain, tell us that. Yeah, so I've got autoimmune disease. Um, which is, I think it's a bit of a wonky gene in my family because we're all kind of got bits of it. Is that the medical term, a wonky gene? Yeah, Yeah, a wonky (laughs) gene, definitely. Um, That's what we've inherited as well as like some really good values. Um, So it's my body's um, immune system works against it. So it's a form of arthritis. And I think, so I've had a a massive flare-up at the beginning of the lockdown and I think it was just because I was unhappy with the work I was doing and I wanted to go into the therapist full time and then obviously lockdown and there was financial implications with that and I don't tend to worry but then my body reacts (laughs) so I I, so I've taken some time out and I'm I'm getting there yeah yeah well you look great yeah you know you've color in your cheeks and you're shining so I don't know, obviously, inside what's going on, but but you're yeah. still shining. Yeah, it's a fatigue and, and things like that. I do know that I need to address other parts of my, my life, like nutrition and diet and things mm. like that. Yeah. And they will come. They will yeah. come, but I have to make my mind up. I find that, say you had, for example, five key elements, so there'd be meditation, yoga, your diet, exercise, um, whatever... I'll get four right and then one will pop out and then mm. I'll get the rest. The other four will be perfect. I'm exercising, I'm doing my yoga, I'm meditating, but then my diet will go off. And yeah. it's really hard to get that balance, you know, to fit it all in because obviously you're very busy, as am I, and to try to fit everything in and manage every element of your life so that, you know, you have this really smooth ride is difficult. It is, know. it is. But I like being busy. I do like being busy, but I have noticed that I do need time to rest now yeah. and I'm doing that and physically I feel better for that but yeah. then I'm always looking for something else <laughs> so I was working seven days a week again recently for quite a while mm. I've now got it down to six days and just a couple of hours Sunday morning mm. <laughs> but even if it's just half a day ideally a full day once a week you've got to have some downtime and oh, I, yeah. I you know I stretch that probably um, but having some time quality time Phones off, computer off, TV off, walking outside or just yeah. relaxing even. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I just switch off and do what I want to do. Yeah. But then I do like I do like to keep in touch with friends as well. Are you um, a tatterbox? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, no, I think I'm the listener. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. You would be, I think I'm you? the listener, really. Um but I do like to keep in touch with different friends. Yeah. Because yeah. variety is the spice of life, isn't it? We all know as well, there are certain people we can speak to and just a short period of time in their company and you feel lifted. Yes. I, I know, I there are people I know I can spend an hour with them and I feel good. I leave and I feel good. Yes. And they can fix me. And mm. they're not intentionally doing it. They're just beautiful people with a beautiful energy that mm. have a positive outlook on life and they make you feel good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I've had a lot more time to to spend with my family as well, which has been great. Um, my daughter's on maternity leave. She, uh, my grandson's four months old. So that's been nice um, because for the last, I don't know how many years, it's been she works full time and, 
you know, it's a matter of I picked up from school and then I'd throw my grandson into her and she, you know, it was yeah. bedtime. So it's been nice to, to have that time. Um, and she's off till March. So that, that's good. Okay, Donna, I'm now going to read out this list because I can't remember it because it's a big list. Okay. These are some of the groups that you've run previously. Yes. And we have uh, an IVF support group, uh, Bereaved by Suicide support group, Mm. the Survivors of Sexual Abuse support group, the Mental Health support group. Mm. Which one of those now do you still facilitate, participate in? I co-facilitate the Anxiety and Depression group on on a Monday for Big uh, via Zoom, unfortunately, at the moment. Yeah. Um, But we've been doing that since March and we do have, I would say, between 10 and 15 people regularly do that. Some people it doesn't suit at all, Um, but it's been a way of keeping in touch and it's been a way of offering that support the only way we could do at the moment yeah I've, I've expressed my views and i i won't do zoom yes now that doesn't mean i'm not saying it's a bad thing and it's different for everybody and certainly with what you're doing it's probably essential yeah but on principle i think that for instance with what i'm doing i know that if you accept that as the norm then it's very difficult. Once you go there, it's very difficult to go back to how things were before. And I don't, I spend enough time on a computer. I don't want to spend any more on it. I don't want to spend my life. I like seeing people in person when I can. But I think in your situation, in your circumstances, it's probably saving lives. Yeah, it's been a lifeline because people, especially at the beginning in in March, we, we literally had a couple of people crying on the last, the last physical meeting we did going, I don't know what I'm going to do without this group. What am I going to do? You know, where's the support going to be? Because Big actually run uh, six groups in the community a week. And um, some of those people went to all of them, you know, most of them. So once we did set it up, it has been consistent with some people. Other people have said, it's not for me. Um, But we have literally been a lifeline, you know, just touching base because some people live alone and they haven't got anybody. This is it. If if you're not going outside and you're frightened and, you know, you're not seeing your family, then that is their only point of contact possibly, you know. And if you're depressed, the one thing you need is people or certainly to speak to people. Yeah. Yeah. And some of the some of them then have, have made friendships and just phoned one another or when we could go out and meet, they've met up for a coffee and, and stuff in Berry. So everybody, um, I must say honestly, everybody in Big is very, very supportive. And if anybody's got any mental health issues and they want to come to some groups, yeah. you know, it is very daunting walking in. I appreciate that. But the support you will get and people just give you time. They do, and they give you all the support. They give the, they give you what they've got, which is experience. Yeah, um, and it, it's a great organisation. I think that with Zoom as well, you can actually. So you could possibly attend one of these online groups, and you can turn the camera off if you're uncomfortable, can't you? Yes. So you can just speak. Yeah. And people do. You know, if you if it's your first time and you're, you're worried about you might know somebody, you don't want people to know who you are or anything, you can come not be visually part of that Zoom conversation, just audible, yeah. and, and still do the group and talk. Yeah, and we do have some some um, members that do that, mm. and they just, they're just not comfortable. But nobody, 
you know, nobody worries about it. It's just what happens, yeah. um, you know, and uh, it's been, it's, it's the way of being in touch with people. You've also volunteered as a dementia friend. Maybe tell us what that is. So, um, yeah, I signed up to be a dementia friend, mainly because I was actually doing hair in nursing homes and obviously encountered dementia quite a lot. And my own mum had Alzheimer's, which was horrific because you lose that person day by day. And I wanted to know more about it, really, and, and understand it a bit more. So I went to a training session and um, and then that enables you to get all this information and you get like a script, really. Yeah. And then you can go to different organisations or different groups of people to actually talk about what dementia is and how it works. Right. And that very often, you know, people, especially in my mum's case, she didn't know who I was, which it was awful, you know, for your mum not to know who you are. But there's two parts of your brain and one part, just concentrates on the emotions so when she saw me she knew how she would be happy when she saw me even if she didn't know who I was right so that's what we were trying to convey to carers and people who were seeing people with dementia that you know it is sad that they don't know who you are but if if you're kind to them they'll smile when they see you because they'll know you're a nice person to them yeah. and it'll it'll trigger off memories of nice memories kind of thing um and that was really good um and we teamed up we did it in twos and i did quite a few talks to people uh yeah what is in the notes now i don't know if this is a misspelling but a death cafe oh right, you know, is it no, a death cafe no it's a death a death it is death, death. yeah what's a death cafe i don't right. know if i want to go there oh fantastic <laughs> yeah um Rachel Yates um, worked for an organisation in Bury. Again, I, I met Rachel through Samaritans when we were doing our outreach and she did a lot of things with dementia. She, she, she runs some fantastic, she does some fantastic work now in Rosendale. And um, yeah, she's amazing. And she uh, had heard about the death cafes and um, I got in touch with her and we, we actually went out for a coffee and we were talking about death and there was people around us thinking you know she said i think we're gonna to have to keep our voice down now because it fascinates me death yeah and it yeah. did so with her talk about a lot in buddhism as well it's i think it's very healthy to talk about it yeah, yeah. so um rachel did set up some death cafes and i i went along to a few what is it right so it's it's where people get together mm -hmm. in a cafe uh, yeah usually in a yeah. cafe situation yeah you know and you have a cup of tea and some cake and you talk about death and it can be for different reasons. I mean, uh, my experience with death, it, as a Catholic, or, or I don't know whether it was just my family, uh, a lot of my family were elderly when they died. Yeah. So I've had quite good experiences with death because we didn't have any early deaths, if you know what I yeah. mean. So it was, it was kind of expected and, you know, but um, everybody knew what everybody wanted. And when my own mum died... You know, I knew it was the Requiem Mass. She'd been, she'd written a, hymns for years, you know. Yeah. So I knew I did what my mum wanted and that helped me grieve because I knew everything that she wanted she had. So this death cafe, um, it, it was so fascinating because there were some people there that had had cancer and at, at one point thought they were going to die and they wanted 
to leave their children and their families instructions yeah. and wanted to say things. So that you do them in different ways. Some people had written poems, some people had written letters. And it was about openly talking about death. Yeah. Well, they, they say you, you haven't, you can't start living until you accept you're dying. A exactly. lot of people are just frightened of death and as they approach it and get older and it can chew them up and, you know, we're all going to die. We don't know when, could be exactly. tomorrow. And so we talk about it in Buddhism, we talk about it all the time, you know, and I think it's really healthy. And for the record, while we're on, I just think this is a good point for me to do this. So it's, it's on video. Yeah. I do not want a Catholic burial. I know how this is going to go down. I want to be burnt, and I'd like my ashes spread at Manjushri at the Buddhist temple in the woods there. Just when my number's up, that's the way it's going yeah. down. Because there'll be people I know or family members that will want to put me in a coffin, put me underground, and have a priest there. I do not want any of that, and I don't... I, I just like it recorded. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what the death cafes are about. I should come. Yeah, it's about <laughs> recording what you want... You know, and some people um, want certain things. I mean, one of my friends, she doesn't want anything other than to be taken away and disposed of, however, and then have a little bit of a party just for her family, her children. Yeah. You know? I'd seen some beautiful things recently. I saw an article about it where, you know, if somebody dies, then they have a coffin that's buried and they plant a tree over the top of it and, oh, you know, right. the tree grows. It's designed so that the roots of the tree will go through it. It's not a wooden coffin. Yes. You know, and, and I, think, I think that's beautiful, mm. you know, your body being the nutrients for, um, mm. you know, a, a life. Life, yeah. yeah. And I think what happens with a lot of people's grief is that they don't know what their loved ones or, you know, estranged loved ones want and then it causes family feuds yeah. and and it all gets and then the grief process can't work mm -hmm. a lot of people just won't talk about the demise the death mm. consequently nobody knows what they really want they pass and then what happens is two people think they know what they want yes. or it might just be actually subconsciously what what they want not the person that's deceased mm. and like you say cause these terrible rifts when somebody dies doesn't it you know oh, i've yeah. seen it yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. So I just think it's 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 good to talk about it because it's inevitable. It should be more normalised because you know we come into the world, we go out out the world. My daughter actually wanted to be a, a midwife, and we were talking about this one day, and I would love to be a death doula. A death a doula. Right. Because there's birth doulas and there's death doulas. Right. Right. I read that in the notes and I, again, I thought it was a spelling mistake. Yeah, yeah, so a death doula is to be with somebody when they're actually dying because I think that's a real pr privilege mm. to be able to hold somebody's hand if they're frightened or to just read to them or, um, exactly. you know, just be there. I've, I've been fortunate on a couple of occasions. I've been with people that have passed over and the last time was with my uncle Frank, my great uncle Frank. Mm. And he was trained to be a priest, but he had epilepsy, so he never actually got to be ordained. Very staunch Catholic, a devout Christian. Mm. And as he passed, I was sat with him for probably about six or seven hours, and I just read the Bible to him. And obviously that's what he would want. The Bible, I wasn't reading it for me. It's yes. not the book that I would refer to, but it was a beautiful thing. And he passed while I was with him. I genuinely believe that that was sort of the the perfect ending for him you know he was listening to the bible and he passed peacefully yeah and that was a great privilege yeah you know. i just think it's 
you know, I've been asked to do Reiki on people actually when they've been dying um, a couple of times because people have been hanging on. Yeah. And the families were getting so distraught and, you know, they've said, can you go and do some Reiki or tell them that they can go? And I have done that. I've, you know, I've, I've said to people, you can let go. I used to say to my mum all the time, you know, because I didn't want her to be there, to be quite mm. honest, the way she was. Yeah. And I used to say, you know, you can go now. It's okay. You can yeah. go. Um, but we don't go till we're ready. <laughs> no. I think certainly when when you're not going to get better and the level of suffering uh, has got to a certain point, then, uh, you know, you're not going to recover. You, you might be in a vegetative state. Then the sooner that person passes over, the better. Yes. You know, because they've no quality of life. They're potentially in pain. And all, all we really want is for them to be at peace. Of course, yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to list the therapies you do. Donna. Okay. I'm going to have to read it. Hypnotherapist, access bars practitioner, Reiki master, reflexologies. You've trained in many other holistic therapies. Mm. You've trained as a counsellor. You've trained level one and three in education and learning. Is that right? Yeah. And you're also a diploma in meditation teaching. Mm. What's next? Is there anything left? Um, I did. I did a course last week actually on, <laughs> on facial acupressure. <laughs> um, yeah, just I, like, like learning, like you, doing different. You're constantly things. doing something new, and that's that's very much like yeah. myself. I need to constantly. I'm like a sponge. I want to learn, and I'm expanding. I'm growing, and I want to do new things. Yeah, know. but I think you do have to get to a stage because I've got many friends that that want to do this as well. I do think you've got. You know, you get to a stage where you need to then start to give these therapies to people and do them the best you can. You know, it's no good just learning them and then sticking them under your belt, as it were. Yeah. It's about then going out and doing Using them. it, practicing. Yeah. yeah. Mm. There's certain things as well I know from experience that if you do it and then you don't use it for a while, it's like you have to start again, isn't yes. it? You can't remember. Yeah. You know, you have to use it and practice it, yeah. Mm. Maybe tell us about your traveling Donna because I know you're quite extensively traveled and you got caught in a hurricane in Cuba yeah that yeah. was interesting <laughs> I've been caught in one in Jamaica and a lot of people were terrified I loved it yeah. you know and, and in Florida as well actually yeah um there's there's a few stories behind that but list some of the places you've been because the list I haven't been to all the places you have but a very similar list anyway I've been to most of them yeah, yeah. um I did France, um, lots of places in Spain, um, Cuba, uh, India, Goa, a few places in Goa, um, America, Las Vegas. That was interesting. Australia. Uh, Australia, yeah, you, my brother you, lives there. Yeah. yeah, you said your brother lives there, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he went over there 25 years ago. Oh, it's probably more actually now, when I think. More than 25 years ago, and he settled there. He married an Australian, so he's got a family there. Beautiful place, yeah. Yeah, it's great. He lives in Melbourne. Right. But he's lived all over the place, yeah. And and Mexico as well. Were you on the east or west coast? Where did you go? Uh, the um, Pacific side. Yes. Puerto Vallarta. This yeah, Puerto yeah, Vallarta, yeah. yeah. Beautiful, yeah. beautiful. One of my favourite places. Yeah, we went... Um, just after a hurricane there as well. <laughs> I, I went in January this year, just before all this uh, situation happened. Right. And we had 16 days there, and it was just 
bliss. Yeah. Beautiful. Best holiday I've ever had in my life. Yeah. I, I love Puerto Vallarta. It's mm. really lovely. Yeah. The people are beautiful. And Bucharest, I think, is the little town. Yes. Yeah. And it's full of, there's lots of people that go there, uh, artists predominantly. Mm. And they all have uh, little galleries set up everywhere. On Thursday nights, all the streets lit up and you go around, they give you a free drink when you go in. And yeah. There's little chihuahuas running around everywhere, and I love it. Yeah, we were supposed to go actually in September, but uh, couldn't, yeah. yeah. Well, we were going again, I think it was August, we were going to go again and we just cancelled because yeah. with what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, so I love my travels, yeah. Mm. I love India, absolutely yeah. loved India. Um, it was a place I didn't particularly want to go to for no particular reason, it's the first place I've ever been and I never wanted to come away from, which yeah. was very bizarre. They've no money, but they're all smiling. A I lot know. of the people, very poor. And yeah. I, I went there with a film crew. We were shooting a movie and I was part of the crew there and went to Mumbai and then down to Gujarat. And some of the people there had nothing and they were beautiful people. I just, I loved it. Yeah. Loved it. Yeah. Did the Golden Triangle, you know, yeah. uh, Taj Mahal. I've um, not been there. I'd love to see that. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Amazing, and we had the most amazing guide. He was a bit strange at first. We thought, oh, he's a bit, he was a bit in our faces, and he's yeah. very spiritual. He was Hindu, but he he made us sit at different angles to watch the sun reflect on, you know, it, yeah. it was, oh, I was, it was fantastic. Oh, you're making my mouth water when you're telling me all that. I'd love oh, to go and see lovely. the Taj Mahal. He yeah. cleared, he cleared a bench. Of all these Indian men, and I sat on the bench. I've got a picture yeah. of that actually, which I love. Um, yeah, and uh, it's I amazing. Th I think as human beings, we were meant to roam, we were meant to travel, we weren't meant to live in a box mm. all your life. The best experiences of my life you know, you can go and have a big car, a big house, buy all this stuff, and yeah, that's great. But for me, Life is about experience. It's experiential. The best yeah. things, you don't remember what somebody bought you for Christmas five years ago. No. But when somebody says, you remember that time we went to India? You went, well, of course. Yeah. You know, the things you really remember are when you you feel good. And, and traveling for me is, I could travel from now until the day I die and never see everything I want to see. Yes. I never get bored. And meeting new people and new cultures and new places. I, I just think we were born to travel. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. And I do feel like a, a really strong attachment to India. I just felt like I lived there. Yeah. Um, when I was doing my Reiki Masters, my guide is an Indian lady. Um, she came through quite strongly. And I just, uh, I feel like I've gone home. Definitely. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, a, it's a different holiday than I've ever had. It's just like going home. It's lovely. Yeah, I have very fond memories of being in India. I loved it, yeah. You've now got a therapy room in your house, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I had a therapy room built on the house. Um, it's great because it's got a different entrance. Um, I can open it up and it be part of the house as well, but it's closed off, you know, got downstairs loo, and so it's quite, com you know, contained. So I want to do more therapies. Like I say, I've, got, I've had some time off to sort of recover, really, uh, just get myself sorted and um, on this new track. Lots of plans for the new year. Yeah. Um, teaching uh, holistic therapies as well. So um, joining forces with my friend, Samantha Wilson. Um, yeah. Who might come on the show at some point, if, yes. we, if we can get her on. She yeah. definitely is. When a book comes out. Absolutely. Um, 
yeah, so I'm joining up with Sam. Um, we think it's going to be springtime, really, because uh, things are a bit quiet in January and that. She, she's still, you know, um, working on the academy. But um, there's another friend as well that's going to join us, so it's going to be three of us. Right. We all do different different therapies, so that's going to be great. Um, I'm going to be teaming up with my other friend, Angela Rossiter. She's um, a clinical hypnotherapist. Um, And we're going to be delivering some workshops on anxiety, um, self-esteem, that kind of thing. We work really well together. I'm more sort of the holistic approach. She's very... um, She's more clinical, but yeah. as a team, we work really well. The support groups you do, the ones you're still involved with now, is yeah. it just the one? It's or? just the one at the moment, right. yeah, with okay. Big. Yeah. So if somebody wants to get in touch with you and possibly if they wanted to join one of the support groups, you know, with mm. what you're facilitating in a minute for Big, how do they get a hold of you? Is it on Facebook? Well, the Big uh, Big has a, a Facebook page as well, Berry Involvement Group, so you can get in touch on there. Okay. Or if they wanted to message me, um, I could get them in touch or have a word with them and explain a little bit more about how it works. Yeah. So uh, my Facebook page is White Peacock Therapies. Right. So what I'll do at the end of this show, in the text underneath on YouTube... We'll put the link for White Peacock Therapies. Mm. We'll also put the link for Big. Yes. So that people can get in touch with you. Yeah. And they can message you um, on your page, can't they? Yes, can of message course. White Peacock Therapies. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and I'll get back to them. And Because sometimes people are really um, a bit afraid of joining a group and they don't know what to expect. Probably just sometimes people just want to ask a few questions first, don't they? And yeah. Maybe just a little bit of chat first before, you know, if they're a bit nervous or unsure. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and we understand that, you know, because anxiety, the first step of sort of conquering anxiety or learning to live with it is to, to you know, make that contact with a group or an organisation. And it is, it's it's a scary, it's a scary yeah. place to be. I think we'll also add a link at the end as well for the, the Samaritans as well. Yeah, yeah. Samaritans are a fantastic organisation. And the fact that they're open 24-7 and they've been going about 65 years now, um you know, I'm not involved with them anymore as such, but I've still got friends that are Samaritans. Yeah. It's an amazing organisation. Yeah. Donna Webb, thank you very, very much for coming on and doing this show. And you are inspiring, and I think you're a beautiful human being. Oh, thank you. Thank you for asking me. I'm delighted you came on. Oh, delighted. Thank you. This show comes out twice a week now on YouTube. And then it goes out as an audio podcast three days later on six platforms now. So it's on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, Google and Pandora. You can get me on the website, midnightmcbride.com. You can hear the radio show every Monday night on 94.4 FM, Salford City Radio, 11pm till 12pm or midnight till midnight. And you can get the book on Amazon and lots of other places in paperback and Kindle form. You can also get the audiobook now, which is available on Audible, ACX, iTunes and various other places as well. This has been Midnight McBride. I hope you've enjoyed the show and I'll see you next time. Shalom. Thank you.